But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaves does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Psalms 1 verses 2 and 3. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Streams of Water Bible Study Podcast. We're happy to be together again today, studying through the book of 1 John. Andy, you doing all right this morning? I am doing well. We were talking about uh, just before uh, uh, we were recording here, I was just uh, working on some some papers uh, for grad school for the end of the semester, so fun stuff there, but, but doing really well, and uh, looking forward to getting into First John chapter four. What about you this morning? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I've just been um, running some errands. I had to go to the dentist this morning, and they told me that I needed a wisdom tooth taken out. So uh, I'm not so sure if I'm going to listen to that advice or not. I guess I have to spend some time thinking about that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll just have to see on that one. Yeah. Wow. Well, I I hope this uh, is more pleasant than that. I mean, uh, yeah, there's uh, definitely a better message here than at 25. You need to get um, a bottom wisdom tooth taken out. That's laying right on top of a nerve. That's a really risky surgery. And if you don't get the surgery, it could result in a cyst, you know, whatever. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see, I, I don't know, Andy, I just, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Um, maybe, you know, we could record an episode if I were to do it and, you know, after all the, the um laughing gas and, and medicine I, I i bet i'd be really fun to record a podcast yeah I, with. I think we should do that that would be <laughs> that would be quality entertainment be more lively than usual <laughs> yeah well, anyway. well we're looking at first yeah i was about to say to transition off of that we're looking at first john chapter four today and uh, last time we left off with verse number six so that means this time we're ready for verse seven And we're going to try to get to the end of the chapter in verse number 21. So I'm forward to walking through this text. John presents a lot of ideas and a lot of themes that we've already seen throughout the book of John, the the letter of 1 John. Uh, We mentioned several different times in this study that it seems John has these themes that he's just rotating through. And a lot of them have to do with love. That's what we're going to be seeing today. Uh, The love that God has for us, the love that we have for God, particularly the love that we're supposed to have for one another, uh, the way that love impacts our lives, uh, perhaps the way that love impacts how we view the judgment day. And so uh, looking forward to to talking about this passage. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of things, like you said, that we've seen before, but hopefully we'll uh, be able to think about it in a fresh way and I think as it's so important to John and is important for us, like we, we need to be reminded of this constantly. It's not uh, something you just move past and, okay, I've got the love part down uh, of the Christian life and then I can go on to something else. Now, this is, this is foundational. It's something we always have to be challenging ourselves with. And, um, and, and so I think we'll, we'll read some things here and learn some things here that are really relevant uh, for us just to kind of set us up a little bit. Um, like we usually do, um, this section of verse seven begins with that word "beloved" that we've seen before, 
Uh, that's how John began began the section starting chapter four when he's talking about testing the spirits. He's talking about uh, false false doctrine. I just think that's kind of interesting. Um, I think the first section there of chapter four, he's concerned. Uh, he has got this loving concern uh, for what they believe. Uh, he's he's trying to protect the truth. Um, but then here, as he's addressing the beloved, uh, he's concerned about how that truth informs how we relate to one another, how we interact with one another. Truth impacts how we actually live. And um, so he is calling them, he's exhorting them uh, to live a life of love that reflects the truth about what we know in Jesus. And I think we'll see that as we go. But just uh, kind of a little bit of a contextual setup there to, to kind of get our minds right as we uh, explore this section. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I like what you said about, about love and how that's a repeated process. And of course, repeated in this book, it reminds me of a story that I heard. Um, it's from a fourth century theologian named uh, Jerome and perhaps uh, uh, those who are listening, Andy, maybe you've heard this story before. Um, some people doubt about whether it's, it's true or not. Some people doubt the validity of this story. But the way that it's told is that John was really old and frail, and he had to be carried into the assembly on the first day of the week. And as the brothers were carrying him into the assembly, uh, he'd repeat the same message. He was like a broken record. Little children love one another. Little children love one another. Little children love one another. That went on for weeks. It went on for months. And eventually somebody asked him, you know, John, I, I think we've got this. Like, why do you keep asking us this? Why do you keep telling us to do this, that we're supposed to love one another? And John responded, according to Jerome, by saying, because it's the Lord's command, if this is done, then it is enough. And uh, so thinking about how important our love is for one another, the, the, the truthfulness of that story might be a little bit off. But I think the truth that that story presents to us is right on par with what we're going to see in this passage, uh, that it is the Lord's command for us to love one another. And there's a lot of things that spring from that. Um, so you want to go ahead and dive into um, this passage, Andy? Let's uh, do it. Maybe we could just um, go ahead and, and read through all of it, if that works for you. Um, I'll read down to verse 14, and then I'll let you take over and read the rest of the chapter. Does that work? Sounds good. All right. First John chapter four and verse seven, John says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the, lo the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected within us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, 
because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Awesome. Yeah. Some of those same things that we've been talking about, uh, loving one another, um, the idea of, uh, you know, this is this is the commandment that we have from him. Seen that several times. Um, uh, but going back to the beginning here, first John chapter four and verse number seven, uh, like you said, Andy, he begins with this idea of beloved. Let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. It seems like us loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ is one of the signs that we've been saved by God, that we've come to know God, know God's character, that we've been saved by his grace and by his mercy. Uh, one way that we know that's taking place in our lives is the love that we have for one another. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. This is the outworking of uh, knowing the love of God, of being loved by God, uh, of of knowing who God is in himself. Uh, this this has and if and if this is not working out in our lives, this is if this is not evident in our lives. I think John would call in the question whether we actually have experienced the love of God, whether we actually know God and have been born of him, because love is so fundamental to who he is. And this love is not simply an abstract idea. It's not a concept out in the ether somewhere. It is something that is is real and is tangible in what God has done for us and should be tangible in how we treat one another. It's exactly what John says as we continue uh, verse 8, verse 9, 10, all the way down to 12 is he says anyone who doesn't love does not know God because God is love. So, so we love one another because love comes from God. And so if I've been born of God, if I know God, if I have a relationship with God, then I'm going to love those who have also been saved by God. It's our responsibility to love one another. It's one of the signs that we have been saved by God. But if we don't love each other, then we don't know God. And so it's true on both sides that if, if we do love, then we know God because God is love. If we don't love, then we don't know God because God is love. I love that description of God, by not to use the word love, uh, uh, more than uh, enough. But I, I love that description uh, that John gives us of God, that God is love. It's not just that God has love or God shows love. It's that God is love. That's who he is. And we see that in verse nine and verse 10 in that the love of God, here's how it's spread out. Here's how it's made manifest among us that he sent his only unique son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the love of God. It's not that we've loved him, but that he loved us. He sent Jesus to be the propitiation for our sins, which we've talked about that word before in this letter. It's the sacrifice that turns away wrath, that Jesus was sacrificed for us, the sacrifice that turns away the wrath of God from the sins that we've committed and the, the mistakes that we've made. And so we see the fact that God is love in him sending Jesus 
sending his uh, only son, which is the same word that's used in John 3 and verse 16, that God so loved the world that he sent his only, his unique son. Um, we find it again here. We see love in the fact that Jesus hung on the cross for us and God sent him for that purpose to be the propitiation for our sins. And so the conclusion that he comes to is if God loves us in that way, then it's our responsibility. It's our obligation to love one another. Yeah. And he, he, I think he highlights that by calling them beloved once again in verse 11. And he says exactly what you just said there. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The, the, the very fact of your identity of being beloved in Jesus and what he has manifested and shown to us, uh, that that ought to move us uh, to a real experience and action of love in our relationships with other people. And I think John is also saying, if, if you want to know what love is, and we've talked before how there's confusion about what love means, there is a, a battleground over over that word. John is saying, if you want to know what that looks like, look at Jesus. It was manifested to us. It was it, we, we see it in the person of Jesus, which I think also highlights to us why it's so important to John to hold on to this idea that Jesus really came into, came as a man in the flesh, word became flesh, dwelt among us because this love become, becomes so tangible and real to us. Jesus showed us, demonstrated to us what love looks like uh, as, as a person living like we live. And, and he, and he's, being this model example for us uh, in the in our flesh, in our lives, in our real day to day existence, what this looks like, and so, um, of course, we can never <laughs> we can never uh, live up fully to the love that that Jesus has had had for us, the infinite love that He has for us. But we can continue growing in love, and we can be shaped by the love that that God has shown us in in Jesus. That's what that's what love is, and that's what John wants us to understand. That this is how we understand love as Christians: is that uh, Jesus was willing not only to come to Earth, but willing to suffer for us and for the sins that we committed. And so, uh, like you said, the conclusion is: if God loves us in this way, then we also ought to love one another. We we've referenced John thirteen and thirty four, where Jesus says. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. I, per, perhaps that's in the back of John's mind here as he writes this. When we think about the love that Jesus has for us, more than likely the first thought that comes to our minds is his willingness to come to earth, his willingness to go to the cross. And if he was willing to do that, if, if he loves us in that way, then we should love one another in that way. I think it's interesting in verse 12, Andy, that um, uh, John mentions that no one has ever seen God. And so how do we see God? Uh, if you ask that question in, in other scriptures, we see God through Jesus. Like you said, Jesus reveals the Father perfectly to us, reveals the Father's nature, reveals the Father's character. But another way that we can see God is in one another, in the way that we love one another. No one's seen God. But if we love one another, then he's abiding in us and his love is perfected in us. I've been blessed to see that in uh, being a member of the Lord's church, being a part of the body of Christ. I've seen God in other people. 
how they loved people and how they were willing to serve people, how they interacted with people, maybe those who had had wronged them in the past, but yet God was abiding in them. God was, uh, his love was being perfected in them because of their willingness to love their brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a really neat thing to witness. Yeah. I mean, that as a, as a beautiful point and it's, it's, it's such a, a uh, wonderful thing to 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 see in your brothers and sisters, and um, I was thinking about this uh, in preaching Titus two last week. It talks about the grace of God and and how it appeared in Jesus, and how we're waiting for um, God's uh, uh, or Jesus is appearing at His second coming. And so, some might wonder: Okay, Jesus showed us God showed us love through Jesus, and He came into the world. Uh, and we're going to see the perfect love of Jesus when he comes back. As First John 3 tells us, we're going to see him as he is. That's going to be beautiful. Some might wonder, well, where's where's Jesus now? Where is God, the love of God now? Has Jesus abandoned in the world? He, he was in the world. Now he's not in the world. He's coming back uh, for his people. Well, well where, is, where is Jesus now? Well, uh, Jesus is in the world through his people. Through his, that's why we're called the body of Christ. We're building each other, each other up into His image in love. Uh, the world uh, sees Jesus through us, and we see God, uh, and we see Jesus through the love that we have for each other uh, in in the church. Um, and when when this happens, and when this is done well, and when God is abiding in us, this is a beautiful beautiful thing and and like you're saying i've i've experienced that too just the uh the love of god uh in in other people uh that that love the lord deeply and that have been changed by god's love for them that uh, there's there's nothing more precious than that um to see that in 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 another person's life and i think it moving forward you know the only way that that's possible is uh, through the spirit that he's given to us. And perhaps that's where John goes next. As we look in verse number 13, he talks about God abiding in us. And uh, he says, by this, we know that we abide in him. So, so God lives in us. Well, how do we know that we are living in and God? Well, it's this fact that he's given us his spirit. And I think the spirit empowers us. Uh, to do these different things Le left to our own devices. I'm not so sure that we could live out this kind of love uh, that John is calling us to here. The, the love that God extends to us, the love that Jesus extends to us on a daily basis. If we were left on our own, uh, it'd be impossible for us to have the love of God perfected in our lives. And so perhaps the empowering factor in this that we sometimes forget about that we sometimes don't talk about is the spirit. Let's not forget that the fruit of the spirit is love. Uh, Paul says in Galatians chapter five and um, Ephesians chapter three talks about the spirit empowering us in the inner man. Perhaps this is one of the ways that that takes place, empowering us to love one another. I think that's, I think that's exactly right, Tyler. Uh, we, we, we look at these commands to love I think it's important, as you're pointing out, to realize that we can't we can't just muster up love on our own willpower. You can't just say, oh, well, God, God tells me to love. Now I'm going to going to do that. And I think if we're just doing that on our on our own strength, on our own will, 
we're going to fall, we're going to fail and we're going to um, fall miserably short of that goal. And I think, um, I think that's, uh, that's something that we, we see so clearly uh, in the world, maybe even our own lives when we're trying to uh, live apart from God's spirit. Uh, but if we have the spirit in us um, and we'll, and we keep in step with the spirit and we allow the spirit to work in our lives, the fruit of that is love uh, that that's going to be produced in our lives. And so there's, I think there's gotta be a reliance on the spirit um, because otherwise uh, we, we can't be loving like Jesus is loving, not, not in a true sense. I think John here, he's pushing back like we've seen uh, before against these false teachers who are making these Christians doubt about whether God abided in them and they were abiding in God. And so they, they had some questions about that in their mind as a result of these uh, false prophets, these false teachers that we talked about last week who were stepping in. And so I think John gives them some tests here to know that they are abiding in God and to know that God is abiding in them. Of course, the first one we talked about is loving one another. Uh, the second one is, is what empowers us to love one another, and, and that's the spirit living inside of us. And then in 14 and 15, we move forward to say, okay, what do you believe about Jesus? We spent some time talking about that last week in the first few verses of 1 John chapter 4. But John says, we've seen and testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. If we go back to First uh, John chapter 4 and verse number 2, it talks about Jesus coming in the flesh, and whoever confesses that is from God. Well, now we go back to his divine nature, and he says another way that you can know that you abide in God is what you believe about Jesus. Are you willing to confess that he's the Son of God? Are you willing to place your faith in the fact that the Father sent him to be the Savior of the entire world? He says, if you do, if you're willing, if you make that confession, then God abides in you and you are abiding in God. And so it seems like he's setting up some tests here, just like we're supposed to test the spirits, as we read earlier in First John chapter 4. Here we can test ourselves to see if we actually are abiding in God and God is abiding in us. Are we loving one another? Are we being empowered by the Spirit? Are we confessing Jesus to be the Son of God? Not just that one time before you're baptized, but is that a continual confession? that you're living out in your life. Um, he says, if you are, then you can be confident that, that God is abiding in you. You're abiding in God. You have this reciprocal relationship. Yeah. And I think the, the goal of that, as we see in verse 17 is so that we have confidence in contrast to this, these doubts are being planted by these false teachers. Um, you, as you're talking about, there's some things that you can know, uh, to, to have confidence for the day of judgment, verse 17 says, because as he is, also are we uh, in this world. Uh, if, if God is abiding in us, if the spirit is within us, if we are remaining in God and remaining in his love and being perfected in his love and, and growing more and more in, into the love of, of Jesus Christ, and we see that evident by the way that we love one another, we don't have to have doubts. We, we, don't, we don't have to... I wonder whether or not um, we're going to be able to stand on, on the day of judgment because we recognize that uh, Jesus is within us and his spirit is within us and he's abiding 
in us and his blood and his faithfulness uh, cleanses us from all sin, as we saw saw in chapter one. So we don't have to have uh, fear, which is which is really the point of verse 18. Uh, there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear, which is, I think, is such an in- encouraging uh, statement and, and truth for us to, to hold on to. Confidence is the key. Uh, when you look at 16, 17 and 18, uh, knowing that we abide in God, knowing that God abides in us is something that John wants us to have. It's something that he wants his original readers to have. I've, I've always loved verse 16, uh, that we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Those two elements are so powerful at the beginning of 16 that we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. We know in our, in our minds and we believe, we trust in our hearts this great, unfathomable, unexplainable love that God has for those who belong to him. I think there are some out there who know the love of God. They know facts about it in their minds, but they really don't believe it in their hearts that how could God love me? And it's not something that makes a difference in them. I think the other side is also true that there are those who believe the love of God and they feel it in their hearts. And it's this really strong emotion that they have, but they don't know anything about it. They don't know anything about what God's love is, what God's love requires, what God's love calls on us to do. And so John calls us to a perfect balance between the head and the heart to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And that results in great confidence that uh, we're able to, if we're abiding in love, then abiding in God and God abiding in us, which leads to those statements, Andy, that you were talking about in 17 and 18 about love being perfected with us so that we can have confidence for the day of judgment, uh, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Um, so it's really, really all about confidence there and this, this really neat balance between the head and the heart. Yeah, I like how you lay that out there. I think that is a really uh, important balance to strike. We have, we have to know the truth about God's love. We have to know the right things about what it what does it mean for God to be love and to show us love. And then we have to we have to trust in that. We have to experience that. We have to believe that. And like you said, uh, there are so many people and I've struggled with this as well. You wonder, can God really forgive that? Am I really can God really love me? I'm not deserving of that love. Well, that, that's kind of the whole point, right? You know, we're, we aren't <laughs> deserving. We 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 truly aren't. Yet God, his, his love transcends that. His God, God's love is more powerful than our sin. It's more powerful than death. It's more powerful than our doubt. It's more powerful than our, than our fear. And so the, the, the less we, we look at ourselves and the more we look to God and to the love that's shown to us through Jesus Christ, the more and more confidence we're going to have. And as you were talking there, I was reminded of Ephesians 3 and Paul's uh, prayer there about the the Ephesian Christians being, uh, you know, established and rooted in in in, in God's love and Christ's love, and said so that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and that they would know that the height, breadth, depth, uh, width, all all the all the directions that it goes, and its infinite uh, infinite uh, power for us, 
uh, I love Paul's prayer there, and I think it has a lot of connection to what John is saying here. What we need more than anything is to be more and more rooted in that love and to be drawn into it more and more fully as the more we more we see it, the more we know it and not just know it, but experience it and believe it and trust in it, uh, the more we're going to be uh, one free from our doubt and our fear, but also uh, two, the more we're going to be able uh, to, to truly love other people because we'll have this solid uh, foundation uh, for which I, for uh, on which we can stand. That is three uh, to know the love of God, which surpasses knowledge. We can never know the love of Christ rather uh, fully, but we can always know more about it. We can never know it in its fullness, but we can always uh, grow in our knowledge of, of the love that Jesus has for us, which is not just going to stay in my mind and in my heart, but it's going to be worked out in my life. Um, so maybe, Andy, we could say a little bit more about uh, this confidence that John wants us to have. We've said that the false teachers are kind of throwing these Christians off and uh, making them feel like they're standing on a shaky foundation, maybe making them feel like they're outside of Christ, and he wants them to know this is this is love perfected with us so that we can have confidence for the day of judgment. I think that sometimes if we ask the question, do you know that you're going to go to heaven? Andy, what do you think? I'll, I'll, I'll just ask you instead of saying what I think. Um, I'd rather hear you, what you think about this. If you were to go up to your average Christian, uh, and by average Christian, I don't mean that in demeaning in any way, but you approach someone who's decided to follow Jesus and you ask them the question, um, are you going to go to heaven whenever you die? What answer do you think the majority would give and why? Uh, from my experience, I think a lot of people would say, I hope so. <laughs> and, um, and I've heard a lot of people say that. Um, and I think, uh, part of that maybe is a, uh, is a, a right intention of humility uh, yeah. and recognition of our sinfulness, of our imperfection. But I would also, you know, just humbly suggest that that is a uh, not fully formed understanding of the nature of salvation, the nature of grace, the nature of God's love for us. Um because I think inherent in, in at least in some people, and, I, and again, I don't want to judge anyone's heart. I'm just talking about me and where I've been and, and what I've seen in my own life, but also seen in other people's lives. I think there is a there is a tendency in so many of us to feel like we've got to work our way up to deserve to be in heaven. Um, and, and maybe we get that from some text that that. Um, talk about striving for the goal and uh, pursuing holiness and pursuing righteousness with with fervor and zeal, which we, we, we certainly should do that. But I don't think those passages mean that we've, we've then got to work our way up and we, we can never quite be sure uh, that, that we are going to make it to heaven one day. I think we strive for holiness, we strive for righteousness, because we are already totally confident, sure, secure in 
God's grace in what Jesus has done for us and, and our motivation to do good, to, to grow, uh, comes from the power of the spirit. And it comes from this freedom that we have to know that we're already accepted. We're already embraced in, in the love of God. So we don't have to, to fear. And perhaps what John is saying here in, uh, verse 18 is that the more we understand the love of God and the more we grow in that love of Christ, as we've been talking about, the less we're going to have that fear. Now, I think, and I'm rambling on a, a bit here, but I think, you know, in our uh, our fleshly existence in which we live, our fallen world in which we live, um, uh, you know, we, those doubts creep in, those, those fears creep in. I think that is something that we all experience. Um, um, but at the same time, that's why I think we need to continually fix our eyes on the love of Christ that he has for us. Really well said. I'm glad I asked you instead of saying what I thought. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I agree with you 100%, you know, based on where I've been, where I've, I've seen people, what I've heard people say is if you were to ask them the question, uh, are you going to go to heaven whenever you die? Hesitation. And then, well, I sure hope so. Uh, not only does that misunderstand the biblical concept of hope, which is not just a desire, but an expectation. Uh, but I think it also misunderstands the love of God. Like you said, the nature of salvation, God gives us permission to be confident about the day of judgment that's coming, not because of how great we are, but because of the great love that he has for us. And that's the point of this passage, right? That, we can be confident about this day of judgment that's coming. We can look forward to it. We can be excited about it. We can know that we're going to hear a well done, good and faithful servant, um, not because of who we are, not because of what we do, not because we've earned it, but because of this great love that, that God has for us because of the fact that as he is, so also are we in this world. Sometimes when we think about the day of judgment, we're scared. And, um, you know, maybe we quote those passages like in the book of Hebrews that it's a, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God or, or our, our God is a consuming fire. Uh, we, we talk about different ideas like that and uh, those conversations need to be had. But what about those who are in Christ? Um, well, there's, there's no fear in love. When I approach, I don't have to be afraid of that day. I don't have to be afraid of what God's going to say to me because of the love that he has, he says, perfect love, uh, this love that's complete, that's perfected with us, like he says in 17, it actually dispels and removes and casts out the fear. Because when I'm afraid, I'm only thinking about punishment. When I'm afraid, I'm not thinking about love. And I think that's the point that he's making in, in 17 uh, and 18. Um, and when we think about this confidence that we can have on the day of judgment, we can know that we're going to go to heaven because God's love is perfected within us and it dispels any fears that we might have about that coming day that draws nearer with every passing second. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And just to think about it practically as well, I think the more that we're driven in our Christian life by fear, the more we are paralyzed and incapacitated and unable to love one another because fear um it it leads us to self-preservation it leads us to seeing 
other people as a threat, a threat. It leads to us not feeling free. It leads to us uh, doing things for other people out of obligation and uh, and out of uh, a, a sense of earning and merit rather than a genuine desire to reflect the love of God. And so that's that's not that's not true love. If if I say I'm I'm going to show love to you, I'm going to do something kind for you, I'm going to sacrifice uh, for you. Uh, because if I don't, I, I think I'm going to get struck down someday. I'm, I'm going to be judged someday. I think there is a healthy reverence, respect that we have to have for God. The fear of, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, we're told over and over. But fear should not be the, the motivating force and factor in our life. Um, I, I, think, well, I think we see that in this text. Um, love has to be the driving force a love that is is rooted in in who god is for us as verse uh, uh 19 says we love because he first loved us absolutely i i think this helps us to uh, know that we have eternal life i mean that's the point of the book in first uh, john chapter five we'll talk about that in the next chapter of this letter uh that um uh, john wants us to be confident and he wants us to be sure of our salvation. And I think in order to do that, we have to do a better job at focusing on the perfect love that God has for us to know his love, to believe his love, to live out his love in our lives, to know that uh, he abides in us and we abide in him. Um, so uh, Andy, are we ready to move forward? Any, any, any other thoughts on that is kind of close that up and we talk a little bit more about loving each other. Yeah, keep keep going. I, I'm sure I could talk for for hours and hours longer, but uh, uh, probably probably not the best for our audience. Oh, I I know you could. I'm not <laughs> sure of it. I know you could. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's I, why you know. Whenever we started this podcast, one of the conversations we had is you know who's who's going to kind of keep us moving from from, from place <laughs> to place. And uh, you very quickly signed me up for that job, even though yeah. I wanted to sign you up for the job. Right. Well, um, the podcast would we'd still be on the first episode if if, I, if that was my job. So, uh, oh man, that's uh, funny. This past Sunday, I I preached a, a sermon that was particularly long, and uh, one of our older members in the congregation, uh, he's in his nineties. He came up he said stuff like this to me before uh but he said he came up to me and said uh uh well i didn't bring a sandwich today but i should have so uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> people, i think have, we're ready uh, for lunch by the end of the sermon for sure have lunch right there in church yeah yeah um <laughs> uh, my i was talking to my grandpa a little bit ago and he told me a story about how he saw a preacher uh, preaching and he preached for an hour and a half in a gospel meeting and um, whenever uh, he hit about an hour, that's when people started uh, getting up and walking out. And uh, but he just kept going. I mean, I, <laughs> my thought was he could have taken that sermon and preached the entire meeting just based off that one sermon. Just that's to right. it up. And yeah. But, uh, up. Yeah. Yeah. We love our preachers that are long winded. We really do. Yeah. I can be long winded sometimes, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't think I've hit 40 minutes yet at Seven Oaks. I did at Red Walnut, but I don't think I've done that at Seven Oaks. Yet. Oh, really? Um, 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think so. Classes, classes are where I get a little bit longer. A little bit longer, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I it was just a couple Wednesdays ago, and sorry, this is a a really side tangent that has nothing to do with the text, but um, <laughs> I was teaching a Wednesday night auditorium class, and uh, one of our elders was teaching the kids, and um, he was looking out his classroom door which perfectly lined up with the little window that we have in the auditorium door. And he was giving me the look like, wrap it up, buddy. It's and, about um, time. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. these kids are about to drive me insane. Like it's time for you to sit down. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the scriptures tell us not, not to rebuke an elder, uh, but That's right. you I gently reminded him hey, church ends at, at, at eight. And uh, you were looking out the window at 7.55, so I, I still have five minutes left. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you got to every to minute. Submit from, from, from here on out. That's uh, right. That's yeah. right, yeah. Well, um, on, on Wednesday, someone had, uh, came up to me and said, uh, uh, you know, good, good sermon this past Sunday, Andy. And uh, someone else was standing there and said, uh, well, which, which uh, part did you like, the first hour or the second hour? <laughs> man this, this was a different person than from this sunday yeah 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 wow man they're, so, they're they're after you yeah i know i know it's 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 been the running joke the last few days i think it was i think it was it was a 40 minute it was definitely a 40 minute sermon for sure i, I don't know anything beyond that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna count because you know i don't really want to see what the actual number was but yeah it was a longer okay. one Anyway, okay. I don't know how we got we got onto that, but uh, yeah. Well, verse nineteen is where we are, I, I believe. Yeah, and uh, this verse is quoted a lot, and I think with good reason that we love because He first loved us. Just this realization that we didn't love first. You know, God God loved us first, and that's why we have the responsibility to love to love one another. I think uh, it's the particular uh, context that John has in mind here, but also. You know, loving those who are in the world, loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, as we're uh, commanded. Jesus says that's the second greatest command. James calls it the royal law in James chapter 2. Um, so this this realization that God loved us first, and that's why we love. We're motivated by the love that he has for us. Yeah, I think that that's really well said, and we we have to have that as as the root, as the core as the foundation, um, we, we have to know and see his love first before we can ever love him or we can never love our neighbor or we can never love our brother or sister. So John zeroes in on, on uh, brotherly love in verse 20. If anyone says, and this is one of the things that I've always found so interesting in the book of first John, that John uh, several different times says, Hey, you can say this, you can make this claim, but if you don't actually do this, then that claim is 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 not true. Like it, it doesn't matter what you say. I think we live in a culture where people make a lot of different claims and people have a lot to say. But John's not necessarily concerned with what we say. He's concerned with what we do. And we see that here in this passage that if anyone says, I love God, well, that's a really easy thing to claim. That's an easy thing to say. But you hate your brother. I love how that is in the singular you know maybe sometimes we get this in our minds that well i love my brothers and sisters except for that one i just can't stand him or her and we can't be in the same place we sit on opposite sides of the auditorium and it, 
if our paths cross, then there's a chance that the church building is going to explode. Um, well, John, John says, if you say that you love God and you hate your brother, singular, then you're a liar. Uh, you don't actually love God because uh, if you don't love your brother whom you can see, how can you love God who you don't see? And uh, that's a that's a really uh, neat line of reasoning there by the Apostle John that you've never seen God, but yet you claim to love him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. OK, you see your brothers and sisters every week as you live in Christian community. You can't love God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your brothers and sisters who you see all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it makes so much sense. It's so simple. It's so hard to live out. But I mean, the, the point he's making is so obvious you know, you, you, you can so easily claim something about, uh, about God who you don't see, but what, what happens in, on, on a, on a Sunday or a Tuesday or whatever in your life, when you're, when you're, you're face to face with a real flesh and, and blood person right in front of you, if you can't love that person, how can you claim to love God? Um, there's, there's a disconnect there. There's a, there's a hip, hypocrisy there and and this i mean this message in verses 20 and 21 i think i i can't really think of a more needed practical relevant lesson for my own heart and for the church as it stands today in 2023 as we're recording this i mean we we need to get this in our in our minds and and i really love your point what you said about the singular there we 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 always want to draw boundary lines around who we want to love. I mean, this is what Joan or who, and who deserves the love of God. Uh, this is what Jonah did with the Ninevites. This is what, uh, you know, the, the good Samaritan story is about. This is what uh, uh, so often we, we try to do. We try to draw boundary lines of who we're supposed to love. And we, we pat ourselves on the back and say, well, I love this person, so I, I love God, or I love this group of people, so I love God, and see that the love of God is abiding in me. But if there's any brother, any brother in Christ or sister in Christ that you hate, th- then then you you really need you really need to, to to make a change because, and I really need to make a change. You know, put this put this on ourselves, reflect on ourselves first. Um, because that is inconsistent, totally incompatible with love of God. And uh, like your example, you're talking about of, you know, not sitting on the same side of the auditorium. I think the question comes for us. Um, if I'm not willing to be in the same room as that person, to have a conversation with that person, am I willing to really die for that person? Which is what John has defined for us is the definition of love as we see in jesus christ and that's the kind of love that we ought to have for each other and so if i'm not you know by the same logic that john is using here if i'm if i'm not willing to love in these little ways i'm not even able to tolerate a brother or sister how can i love them and how can i say that i love god i actually uh, preached on this this past sunday um this past sunday morning um about restoring our love for one another actually I preached it twice this week because it was given to me as a Wednesday night topic at another congregation in another town. And so, you know, you always got to try it out on, on your home folks before you take it somewhere else. Right. That's right. Got to make sure it runs through well. And uh, so I was talking about restoring our love for one another. And I thought it, I thought it'd be really interesting to take a poll 
And uh, I asked people to raise their hands and uh, I asked the question, you know, raise your hand. Have you ever seen a Christian be unloving to another Christian? <laughs> and on the count of three, I asked everybody to raise their hands. And I'm sure, as you can imagine, every single hand went up both times I preached it in the in both congregations. Everybody raised their hand and said, I've seen this. And, you know, my hand was raised. And one thing that I was is kind of difficult to admit is that, you know, I'm able to raise my hand, not because of what I've seen in everybody else, but my hand is raised because of what I've seen in myself. Like there have been times when I've been unloving to brothers and sisters in Christ, either to their face or behind their back. And so, like you said, this is a, this is a needed topic. It's something that we need to consider. We need to that this is the commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not optional. This is the commandment that we have from Jesus. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. This isn't something Jesus or God is throwing out there and saying, you know, this is, this is the ideal. And if you want to buy into it, then you can buy into it. But if not, just forget it. It's not really that big of a deal. Um, this is the commandment that we have from God. That if we love God, which I think if, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb to say that you would say that you love God. If we love God, then we must also love our brothers and sisters in Christ. What a challenge that is, but what a beautiful thing it is whenever that actually takes form in Christian community. Yeah, yeah, I think all of that that you said is is so important, so relevant for us, you know. A lot of the things we read here are, uh, as we talked about, beautiful things. They're encouraging. Uh, there's so many sound bites that we pick out of this passage. You know, God is love, uh, perfect love, cast out fear. And in the abstract, this is a really, you know, ideal, uh, happy, uh, beautiful vision of the love that we have for one another. Let us love one another. And we can look at that and say, amen. But it, it becomes really, really difficult when the rubber meets the road, when uh, there's disagreements in the church or when someone, your brother or sister, they've hurt you and, and they've done something to, to, to really, really uh, offend you. And that, that that's a that's a test right there am i going to love in the way that jesus loves this person the way that jesus loves me or what what happens when uh you know half the church thinks one one way about a decision that the elders make and, and the other church thinks another way or, or what happens when a thousand other things of the difficulties of life come into play we church is messy because people are messing because we're in a fallen sinful world. And so will we decide to love one another in that mess, in that difficulty, in that pain? Um, not because um, I deserve to be loved, not because the person across the pew deserves to be loved, but because Jesus has loved us even when I didn't deserve to be loved. And so we have to make that decision, as you said, because it is a command of God and it is the love of God that shapes us and 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 should um, be reflected in every aspect of our lives. So is is that what you would offer 
uh, as the chat because that sounds like a pretty good challenge to me. Um, but <laughs> yeah. um, I believe it's your week to, as we come to the end of this passage to um, to offer the challenge uh, for us. Um, what would you have to to offer us this week? Yeah, I think I, I think that is a great challenge. Just if if I could be a little bit more specific, I, I'll sure. I'll say um, try to be, and I'll try to do this as well. Uh, this is a, this is an easy thing to to challenge someone else to do, but a hard thing to challenge yourself to do. But I I, I want to challenge us, challenge me to be honest with what is a person in your congregation right now that is really hard for you to love for whatever reason. Maybe you just don't get along well. Maybe there's a personality difference. Maybe there's some history there. What is a person that you really don't want to see in the hallway? You don't want to sit next to in the pew. Think about that person. And I want each of us to think about a way that we can intentionally, actively seek to bless them and show them genuine love this week in our life. Um, That is... That is what I think Christ calls us to do, because sometimes we we congratulate ourselves for um, for tolerating people that are difficult to love or ignoring and not retaliating against people that have hurt us. But that is not the call of Christ. And I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, but the call of Christ is to intentionally, actively pursue love and blessing and sacrificial love. Uh, in service for the people that don't deserve it. That's what Jesus did for us. And so to make this really real for us, think about a specific person in a specific way you can show love uh, to that person this week. Love it. Love the challenge. Uh, love this passage. And uh, Andy, appreciate your your thoughts and your insights into this passage. And uh, to our listeners, we appreciate you uh, for being with us and uh, studying with us every single week. Um, This blesses my life, and I appreciate that challenge. I believe that's something that can make every Christian family a whole lot stronger. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I always enjoy it. Um, I love you. I love our our listeners, even if I don't know you personally. um, I'm thankful for the love that has been shown in my life through so many Christian brothers and sisters. This is, as we talked about before, it's such a beautiful a thing when, when it's lived out uh, in, in our daily lives. And um, let's, let's seek to do that more fully, fully this week. Amen. Well, next week, uh, Lord willing, we'll be getting into chapter five, which is the final chapter of the book of first John. Um, so in, in some ways it feels like it's just flown by, uh, but we'll be prepared to jump into the, the last chapter of this book uh, next week. Andy, appreciate you, and uh, hope that you have a, a good weekend. We're recording this on a Friday, uh, as is our general practice, and uh, hope that you have a good Lord's Day. Same to you. Thank you for listening to the Streams of Water Bible Study Podcast. If you have a question, comment, or idea for a future episode, connect with us on our private Facebook group called Streams of Water Bible Study Podcast, or send us an email at streamsofwater13 at gmail.com. That's streamsofwater13 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.